Right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation. And specifically, we'll be talking again about prosperity again this morning. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And in case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go again to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. In the top right corner, it says Give. It's highlighted in blue. And you can give from anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the footer, our bottom of every page on our website is our mailing address, and you can give it there and that, that way. And so if you're in the United States, just so you know all of your tax contributions are 100% tax deductible as they are, as we are a 500, as we are a 501c3 church. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into my message this morning. <coughs> and again, we've been talking about such a great salvation for the, pretty much all year. We started early on in the year, I think around, around February. And we've been talking for at length about this great salvation that we have. We started off by defining what salvation is. It's a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's faith in His grace. It's not faith alone. It's not grace alone. It's faith in His grace. It's defined in both the Hebrew and the Greek as, as uh, wholeness, deliverance, healing, and prosperity. We talked about the purpose of salvation. We talked about the necessity of salvation. And we've been talking for the last several months on the benefits of salvation. Under the umbrella of the benefits of salvation, we spent about five or six weeks talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to wholeness. We spent a few months talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. And now we're in our third week now talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, and I'll probably be saying this every week, I understand prosperity, the topic is in many ways taboo to many people, many Christians. Uh, they're against it. They, they, they teach, they, 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 they are appalled. They, they loathe the concept of prosperity or the teaching of prosperity from any pulpit. And there's reasons for that. And I understand some of those reasons. But we need to bring some clarity to what the scripture talks about prosperity because the Bible has a lot to talk about and say about prosperity. Okay? And so, and it's by definition, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, the word salvation itself means prosperity. Okay, so if that's what the definition of the word means, and that's what salvation includes, excuse me, we need to talk about it. Another way of looking at it, we're talking about God's blessing in our lives. Okay, and the Bible has a lot to say about the blessing of God in our lives. Another way of talking about it, if we're talking about God's covenant with his people. <coughs> Excuse me. We are in a covenant relationship with God. We are not a religion. We teach against religion. Okay? And the religion we teach against the most is Christian religion. Okay? Do I believe in Christianity? Do we teach Christianity? Are we Christians? Yes. But there's a lot of teachings in the name Christianity that is nothing but religion. Okay? And we are talking about a relationship with God. And we are in a covenant relationship with God. And we've been talking about that almost in every message we preach uh, in this church. Okay, from many different angles. And this particular message, though, 
We are looking at our, our covenant relation with God and how it relates to prosperity. Okay? I'm going to teach the whole word of God. I'm going to teach the whole counsel of God's word. I'm not going to omit finances and prosperity just because it offends some people. I'm going to teach on if it offends some people, then we need to deal with it. Okay? We don't just ignore it. We don't just sweep it under some carpet. We need to deal with it. We need to teach it. We need to address it from a biblical perspective. So all this is talking, we're still under the umbrella of talking about the benefits of salvation. Again, we're using the word prosperity, but we're really, this message really has to do with trust. Trusting in His grace, trusting in His word, trusting God for everything. I spent several weeks, the last few weeks, and, and even in other messages, talking about how God is our El Shaddai. He's our Jehovah Jireh. He's our Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's our Je Je he's Jehovah Shalom, our peace and our provision. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to trust God with not only our health, but we also need to trust God with our wealth. Excuse me. And our provision. Excuse me. And I understand, and I tread light, lightly on some of this stuff, but I also tread, tread boldly on some of this stuff. And I'll get into the boldness a little bit later. But I understand that there's a lot of confusion and different opinions regarding prosperity in the church and also in the world. But I'm not talking to the world, I'm talking to the church. I'm a pastor, and so I'm talking to the church, I'm talking to those who will listen. You know, I believe that we need, I believe that we need uh, financial discipleship and what uh, I talked about several things and actually I don't know why I went, in, went there excuse me let me backtrack let me get back on board here in this message and these are not the only five things I wanted to talk about but I do want to talk I do want to find what, what is God's will and why prosperity I want to continue to deal with these first two this morning and then we're going to go into sowing and reaping stewardship of motives we'll get into a little bit of sowing and reaping possibly today and then we'll go into stewardship and motives as we go forward. These are not the only five topics I want to talk about. And in some ways, I'm going to be talking about these uh, different topics interchangeably. Okay, so it's not going to be so cut and dry as far as, okay, we're talking about point one, now we're talking about point two. No, it will be intermixed uh, throughout this message. But again, this morning, I want to deal with these first two. Because they're almost very similar. What is God's will regarding prosperity? And why prosperity? Why prosperity? We need to answer those questions. We need to establish what is God's will. See, the first revelation we need in the area of finances of prosperity is knowing God wants us to prosper. If we don't believe that God wants us to prosper, then are we saying we want God, God wants us to be poor? God wants us to be, pover, uh, be in poverty? Okay? The Bible doesn't teach that. Nowhere will you find in Scripture that poverty is like holiness. Okay? You won't find a Scripture. The Bible does not teach that. God, the Word of God, especially the Old Testament, teaches how and when they walked with God, they were blessed and prospered. When they did not walk with God, they were not blessed and they did not prosper. The Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi teaches that. Okay? And so, so we need to talk about prosperity and how it relates to it. Are there, are there some warnings? Are there some dangers with uh, money and finances and, and, and prosperity? Yes, and we're going to deal with those too. But we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater just because there's some kooks out there. 
just because there's some misteaching and misrepresentations of the subject, just because, uh, you know, there's been, just because it, it Excuse me. Some people, it just flat out scares them. Like they have a phobia talking about finances. Well, we need to deal with some of those phobias. Because that fear does not come from God. Okay, when there's fear, there's torment, the Bible says, First John chapter 4. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to prosper emotionally. He wants us to prosper physically. He wants us to prosper also financially. When we're talking about prosperity, we're not just talking about finances. Okay? But we're also not excluding it either. Okay? I can talk about prosperity in all these topics, but I'm spending more time talking about finances because that's the elephant in the room. That's the one that we don't want to deal with. We don't want to talk about. And so we need to talk about it. We need to address it. We need to teach some things. We can, more so, we need to teach the truth. But I want to see people prosper in all four of these areas and even more. Uh, we talked a lot about physical and, and talked about healing. Okay? And in all our messages, we're talking about being prosper, prosperous and sp spiritually. And in many of our messages, we're talking about being prosperous emotionally. When we talk about wholeness, we're talking about spirit, soul, and body. And our soul, our emotions, needs to be prosperous. We've dealt with that, and we will continue to deal with that. But. <coughs> Excuse me, in this segment of our teaching, we're going to talk a lot about finances, okay? It's not the only thing regarding prosperity, but it is something that we need to deal with because there's so much error and there's so much abuse and there's so much neglect in the body of Christ and, and the subject, okay? Prosperity is His nature. It's the nature of God. His name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is Jehovah Shalom. He's our provider. Okay, it's his nature. It's his promise. It's his covenant with us. It's his provision for us and to us. And it's his blessing. Okay? But when we look, when we talk about any subject, and right now we're talking about prosperity, and primarily we're talking about finances, let's look at what God's word says regarding prosperity. Let's look at what God's word says about finances. Okay? Okay, I, I want to know what God says. I want to know what the Word of God says. You know, in any subject matter, but right now we're talking about prosperity and finances, I want to know what the Word of God says. Okay? Another way of saying that is, you know, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity. No one is indifferent about money. Yet people are irritated if a pastor, like myself, preaches on money. Excuse me. Let me say this again. No one is indifferent about money. But people are upset and offended if a pastor teaches on money. Okay? So everyone else can talk about it but me. Or us. Okay? Money affects your entire life. Naturally, physically, in a civil way, in society, as a family, as an individual. And even as a church. Finances will affect every area of your life. And you need to understand how to relate to money. How to relate to stewardship, which we'll get there later in our teaching. And how to relate to God's word. And how, what does God say regarding prosperity? 
Okay? Again, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity. And everyone is pretty proud of their opinion regarding any subject matter, but also prosperity. But honestly, who cares what you think? Honestly, who cares what you think? And some of you are offended by that. But you don't even realize, some of you, yeah, honestly, who cares what I think? Who cares what you and I think about anything, especially regarding finances? I only care about what God thinks about prosperity. I only care about what God thinks about money and finances and stewardship, and the list can go on and on. And that alone offends many people, just by me saying that. Okay? I only care what God thinks about money and about any other subject. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to know what kind of covenant he has made with you and me regarding finances and prosperity and blessing and promises. I want to know how he wants me to relate to finances. That's Shabbat capital H. Apologize. Okay. I want to know how God wants me to relate to finances. I don't care. You're, you might have an opinion. I might have an opinion. Who cares? I want to know what God thinks of how I should relate to finances. I want to know how he, again, should be capital H, wants me to be a blessing under the Abrahamic covenant. I'll bless you to be a blessing. Okay? Why? So that I can be blessed to bless others. See, one of the biggest mistakes many people make is that they will hear a statement from the Word of God and, out of, and they'll take it out of its context. Instead of understanding how that statement is connected to other statements. And instead of understanding how that truth is connected to other truths in the Word of God, and, and more specifically, in the context where that verse, our scripture came, statement came from. I believe God is faithful to His Word, but I also believe God is faithful to all His Word put together. Okay? But God said this, and it didn't work, so you can't, ju you can't just trust God. That's what people say. I've heard many people say that. And in some ways, I've said that through the years, okay? And I'm embarrassed to say that. I don't say something like, I know what it says, but it doesn't work. And I, I think a lot of us have been there. We're pretty honest with ourselves, okay? Or we thought that, or that thought had really come across our mind. But no, God is faithful to his word. But that word is connected to other words that God is faithful to as well. And we got to keep the scripture in context. we got to keep particular statements in context. And we also got to keep the word of God in context with the entire word of God. We, ought, we get offended when we don't get what's expected. And that's what, the thing, that's what any relationship, marriage, any friendship, any employee-employer relationship, when you don't get what's expected, you will be offended. Okay? And so we need to know, we need to make sure that our expectations are in alignment with the Word of God. We need to make sure our expectations are, are justified by the Word of God. Okay? 
Again, prosperity and abundance are God's will for every area of our lives. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to experience abundance in every area of your life. And I can talk about so many different areas of our lives and our relationships and our marriages and our jobs and our, and our, with our kids and families. But we're talking right now about finances. We're talking right now about prosperity. So again, God, prosperity and abundance are God's will for every area of our life, including finances. God doesn't want you to be prosperous in every area of your life but finances. That is not Bible. That is not Scripture. Okay? And I'm not saying that God wants you to be prosperous in only but finances and not every other area every, not every area of your life. No, I believe God wants you to be prosperous and experience abundance in every other life. I believe God wants his people to live free from lack and poverty. When you learn to prosper God's way, see, let me go back just one moment. God wants his people to live free from lack and poverty. I don't believe God wants us to live in lack and poverty. Can something come on us? Can there be a tragedy? Can there be an incident? Can there be a situation where we find ourselves in need? Yes. Okay. Abraham, other people experienced those times as well. Okay. But we didn't live there. They didn't stay there. Okay. It wasn't a lifestyle for them. Okay. When we learn to prosper God's way, and again, I, I don't want, I'm not talking about prospering the world's way. I'm not talking about prospering some religious way. I'm talking about prospering God's way. When we prosper God's way, we will experience supernatural increase. That goes with anything. When we do it God's way, it works. When we do it our way, it doesn't work. And when we experience supernatural increase, God through us becomes a channel of blessing to others. And that's God's covenant, not just, not just with you. God's, cov that's God's covenant with his people in and through you. Yes, the message of prosperity has been used and misused for personal gain. Yes, there's some crooks out there. Yes, there's, there's some crooks out there. Yes, there's some people who have mistaught, misrepresented prosperity. And they've taught a message of prosperity that has misused it for personal gain, for selfish reasons. Okay? You know, even the idea of, I want to be blessed so I can pay my bills, take care of my, me and my family. That's good and that's responsible, that's noble to, to a degree. But if all you're thinking about is you and your family, you're selfish. Okay? Do I believe that you need to take care of your family first and foremost? Yes, I do. But, that's not the only reason God wants you to prosper. God wants you to prosper so that you can be a blessing to others. It's not for personal gain. Can you be blessed in that? Yes, and we'll get into some of that. Okay? See, but we don't, just because there's been some misuses in the body of Christ, from the pulpit, and personal gain, because there were some cooks out there, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? Just because some people have abused the message 
Just because someone is poor does not mean they are godly. And just because someone's rich doesn't mean they're ungodly. If that's your, your criteria for whether they're godly or ungodly, you're missing it. Okay? God wants you to prosper. Why? Why does God want you to prosper? Excuse me, thank you. So that he can establish his covenant. We dealt with this the last couple weeks. <coughs> and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get well, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Okay? God wants you to prosper so he can establish his covenant. We're going to keep coming back to this. Uh, we're going to, when I find ourselves going away from this and then coming back to this, and we'll do that multiple times throughout the series. But God wants you to prosper. Why? So that He can accomplish, so that you can accomplish His will for your life. God has a will. God has a destiny. God has a purpose for your life. And you cannot do that purpose without provision. You cannot do that provision while you're broke. You can't do that, you can't fulfill that, but it takes money to do what God has called you to do. Okay? God wants you to prosper so that you can be a blessing to other people. Whatever God has called you to do, it's going to, one way, shape, or another, bless other people. God has not just called you to do something to bless you. God has not just called you to do something to bless your family. Does he want you and your family to suffer? No. But it's not, he doesn't prosper you just for you and your for, you for no more. God wants to prosper the blessing so he can establish this covenant, so you can accomplish what God's called you to do, and that you can be a blessing to others. You can't do either. You can't do either if you're broke. You'll never find a scripture that says, uh, that says, I am going to... I would have done God's will, but I just couldn't afford it. <coughs> of all the Bible heroes that we have in the Bible, from Genesis to... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. From Genesis to Revelation, you'll never find one testimony that someone testified and said, I would have done God's will, but I just couldn't afford it. That's not a concept in Scripture. That is never a testimony in Scripture. I believe you first must believe that prosperity is God's will for your life. See, before you got saved, you had to be convinced it was God's will for you to be saved. Before you ever got healed, you must know that it's God's will to be healed and receive your healing. It's the same with all the benefits of salvation, and it's the same with prosperity. If you don't believe God wants it for you, you will never have it. You will never experience it. If you don't believe it's God's will to heal, you won't get healed. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to get saved, you won't get saved. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to be delivered, you won't be delivered. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to have a good marriage, you won't have a good marriage. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to prosper, then you will never prosper. 
We looked at this verse before, but 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And we'll come back to this later in our study, but many mistakenly believe this is only talking about spiritual riches. But the context, and I've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, the context of this chapter, chapters 8 and 9, is clearly talking about money. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he's talking about money. He didn't switch gears just on this particular verse and then go back to the subject. No. That's again why I say people take a verse out of context. And in the context, he's talking about money. Some people also believe prosperity is just wrong. They use scriptures like, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. We talked about covetousness two weeks ago in regards to prosperity, okay? In the Amplified, but we also looked at this verse earlier too, but in the Amplified it says, Paul encouraging Timothy, a young pastor, but those who crave to be rich fall to temptation. And a snare into many foolish useless godless, and hurtful desires to plunge men into ruin and destruction and miserable perishes. perishing. That's true. And we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls and dangers of being rich. But that's because they're craving it. The love of money is the root of all of Okay? And we're going to look into that more deep, deeply. We'll look at it a little bit here in just a second. But yes, is there. Uh, is there Temptations and warnings and snares that surround richness? Yes, there are. Okay? And we're going to deal with some of those. But just because there's some temptations around it doesn't mean richness in itself is wrong. Okay? I, yeah, this is more scripture that says that there are. But I can give you tons that says that, 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 that the blessing of God makes one rich and he has no sorrow to it. Okay? We often hear... Even from unbelievers, money is the root of all evil. And we just quoted verse 9, but they're actually, when they say this, they're actually misquoting verse 10. Because it says the love of money is the root of all evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. It goes back to that craving uh, and, and, and pierce themselves to with many sorrows. Okay? The root, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. We'll look at this more detail uh, in, uh, in, in weeks to come. And you can have, but you can have a love of money even if you're broke. Okay? I know a lot of broke, impoverished people who are lusting for money. And they're in all kinds of evil. Okay? The problem is the love of money. Because money itself is neither good or bad. It's what we do with it that makes the difference. It's all hard. Because money doesn't... You can desire money, provision, resources to do God's will. And money's still not having your heart. <coughs> Excuse me. Money is a tool. And just because you need money or have money or have a lot of money, 
doesn't mean you are craving it. Doesn't mean that you are dependent on it. Doesn't mean that you are lusting after it. We'll get into a lot of that uh, in, 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 uh, as we go forward. See, all the lusts of the flesh can be purchased with money. You can purchase all kinds of things with money. But none of the gifts of God can be bought with money. None of the blessings of redemption and salvation can be bought with money. We must always keep our hearts pure in our desire for abundance. Is it wrong to desire abundance? No. But in desiring abundance, we must keep our hearts pure. Okay? And that goes with anything. Okay? We must always keep the covenant purpose in mind in our minds for abundance. We don't want to stray from the covenant, from the purpose of money and prosperity. When we stray from its purpose, when we stray from the covenant, that's when our hearts become impure. And we get into a snare. We get into danger. What is the covenant? Well, in short, it's blessed to be a blessing. There's a longer version of that. We've taught on that. We'll continue to teach on that. But in short, we're blessed to be a blessing. We also were here a few weeks ago, but Isaiah 55, 10 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Some of this is just a recap, and I'm coming at it from a little different angle. God gives us both the seed to sow and bread to eat. Okay? God gives us both money to give and money to supply our own needs. God gives you provision, blessings to bless someone, and blessings to meet your own needs. Okay? See, the reason many people live from paycheck to paycheck is they eat all their seeds. A farmer knows that they got to keep some for themselves, but they got to keep some of those seeds so they can plant another harvest, so they can plant another crop. Okay? That's why he gives us seed and bread. He gives us seed and he gives you bread. One needs to be sown, and the other needs to be eaten. Okay? If we never sow some of our seeds, we will never live in abundance. Once we eat it all, it's gone, and we need more. Okay? This concept is also found in 2 Corinthians 9 to 10. Now, may he who supplies seeds as a sower and bread for food, there's seed and bread again. <coughs> Excuse me. Supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched every day for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. We'll come into, we'll, we'll spend more time with this later, but we now just want to make some points. Abundance is a result of our giving. And we're going to spend more time on this later, okay? But we're going to talk a lot more about giving later, but we're going to get into some of that today, okay? Giving, see, let me say this again. Abundance is a result of our giving, but giving is a result of our abundance. It works both ways. You have seed, you plant a crop, you eat some of it, but you plant, you take some of that seed to plant more crops. 
Abundance is a result of giving, but giving is a result of abundance. They work, it's, it's a cycle. Okay? The two are dependent on each other. We give so we can have, and we have so that we can give. It's that simple. Let me say it again. We give so that we can have, and we have, sorry, it's going slow, we have so that we can give. The more we give, sorry if I missed out here, the more we give, the more we'll have. The more seed that you sow, the bigger the harvest you're going to have. If you sow a little, little and it'll have a little garden, you're going to have a little garden of harvest. If you sow acres and acres, you're going to have acres and acres of harvest. That's how it's that simple. You will always reap more than you sow. You will always reap in a different season than you sow. Okay? That's how, that's how God designed it. And we're going to look at... I'm starting to transition here a little bit, and we'll get there in just a few minutes, into sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is not just a financial law about giving and, giving and receiving, but it also applies to giving and receiving. Okay? In Luke 6.38, it says, Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. And we're going to spend more time in here. We've mentioned this verse before. I'll mention it here again. But one thing that we're going to make right now is the purpose of abundance is to be a channel of supply for others. And we've been saying this over and over again in many different ways. It's part of our covenant. We're blessed to be a blessing. God wants to bless you to meet your needs. But God wants to bless you for, because the purpose is to be a channel to bless others. That's how God's kingdom works. That's how the currency and economics of God's kingdom works. Blessing you to bless others. And you can find, I mean, this is a principle all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Okay? In Acts 20, 35, in the ESV translation, it says, On all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give and to receive. And we'll spend more time with this later, especially this phrase, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay? In other words, we must go from being a consumer to being a producer. Okay? Doesn't mean we don't consume anything, no. If the farmer doesn't eat anything, he's not going to be farming very long. Okay? But he's not producing just for himself. He's producing for other people. Believing for more to give is good. Believing for more to give is a holy thing. It's a good thing. It's a godly thing. It's the principle of the kingdom of God. Believing for more to give is God's plan. Sherry and I, in this church, we want more so we can give more. Do we need to meet our needs in the process? Does God want to bless us in the process? Yes. In abundance, he does. God wants us to be blessed abundantly, but God also wants us to bless abundantly. 
Okay? Our God is a God of abundance. Let me switch the language a little bit. But our Creator, I mean, God, how we know God is our Creator. Our Creator is El Shaddai. Our Creator is most powerful. Our Creator is also an all sufficient one. Our Creator is a God of more than enough. It says in Psalm 19, the heaven to proclaim the glory of God. The sky displays his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. That's from the New Living Translation. I want to go off on something here just for a moment. Because I brought in the concept of creator. We're talking about prosperity. We're talking about being blessed to be a blessing. We're talking about abundance. But I want to look at our creator for a moment. And how God doesn't know he just teaches this in the Old Testament and New Testament. God has taught this through creation. Let me just give you some scientific stats. Bear with me just for a moment. I got several of these. Okay. They all come in the brother. How big is our God? The earth is 93 million miles from the sun. Like, whoa. Thanks, Pastor Dave. Um, the sun is over a million times larger than the earth. How big is our God? I'm not done. And, and all this, where are you? Right here. How big is our God? If you travel at the speed of light, I'm kind of going to paint a picture of how big our universe is, Okay. It, it will take you, uh, it's 186,000 miles per second, and the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast the speed of light is. But if you travel the speed of light, you could circle the earth seven times in two seconds. That's how big our earth is. Okay. If you travel to the speed of light, you're already defined that, which is again 86,000 miles, it takes you 8 minutes and 19 seconds to get from the earth to the sun that we just described. <clears throat> if you travel to the speed of light, it will take you 5 hours and 31 seconds to get from Pluto, get to Pluto, which is over 3 billion miles away from the sun. Okay? Let's take it to another dimension. If you travel at the speed of light, it takes you four years and four months to get to our nearest star, which is Alpha Centauri, within our own galaxy. There are over 100 billion stars in our own galaxy called the Milky Way. And there are over 100 million galaxies within our known universe. Okay? There are as many stars as there are grains on the seashore, as God told Abraham. Let's take it to another level. There are over 7 million species of animals. 
and there are over 30 million species of planet, plants. Okay? Not planets. We, we, we switch gears from the, the universe talking about this planet. And on this planet, there are over 7 million different species of animals and 30 million species of plants. What I'm putting the picture in all this scientific facts is God created all this in abundance. God created the universe with a hundred, over a hundred million galaxies and stars and planets and, and, and on this planet alone there's all these animals and plants and creatures in the sea, under the sea and on the earth and the planet. God is a God of abundance. And we mock, some of us, the subject of prosperity. God is a God of abundance. That is who he is. And he created all this abundance in the universe, in the earth, before he ever created you. Amen. God is a God of abundance. In the Genesis it says, when God said, let us make man in our own image and according to our own likeness, we'll come back to that. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created man, male and female. He created them. There's only two genders. Okay. And then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over it, the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All seven million different species of animals, we have dominion. God created all of this in abundance. You ever look at all the different species of, of fish and plants, and you ever ask yourself why? Because God is a God of abundance. And over all of this abundance, God gave us dominion over it. <coughs> Which is almost a different subject. But that's how I bring that up. And God told us to be fruitful and multiply. Yes, I can talk about childbearing. I can go to a lot of different rabbit trails with this. But my question is why? Why did God give us dominion? Why did God tell us to be fruitful and multiply? Because God is a God of abundance. God is a God of multiplication. Be fruitful and multiply. Remember it says in Genesis, and God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. And so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created man. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of multiplication. And he said that we were made in his own likeness. If God is a God of abundance, and we are in his we are made and created in his likeness. Why would he not want us to be people of abundance? When he told us to be fruitful and multiply. 
<coughs> well, Pastor, he wasn't talking about finances. He was talking about childbearing. Yes, I can, I can go with that. But how are you going to raise a child without money? And, and, and where did he say, where did he say in that, that it didn't include finances? God is a God of abundance. And he gave us to be dominion over it all. Is the silver and gold not part of this earth? Did he not give us a, to be abundance? Did he not say that we cannot have, be fruitful and multiply in the crops and the plants and the fish and the herds and the animals, our cattle as ranchers and sell it to meet our needs? I mean, I can go on and on and on. Everything you need to make money, to prosper, to be a blessing, God created it in the heavens and the earth for us to have dominion over it, to subdue it, and to be fruitful and multiply. The principle of multiplication is throughout the whole entire Bible called the Word of God. It says in 2 Corinthians how he may supply <coughs> how now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are rich in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Folks, this idea of multiplication was found in Genesis chapter 1. It carries on through in 2 Corinthians. It, it, this whole idea of multiplication is in every area of our life. If it's good, it's God. If it's good, if it's God, it can multiply. The, God said the earth is supposed to multiply. He said we're supposed to multiply. He said our, our seed is supposed to multiply. And in context, he's talking about finances. In 2 Corinthians, we've already established the fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he's talking about finances. He's calling seed finances. The church in Acts chapter 2, 4, and 4, and so on. The church multiplied. God wants us to be prosperous spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially. Multiplication. Feeding of the multitudes. Jesus, who is the express image of the Father, he multiplied twice. But we have one account in Mark chapter 6 where he took the loaves and the fish and he multiplied it to feed the people. Let me give you another example. The widow with the flour and oil, with Elijah, he took the flour and the oil and he said, it will never run dry. He multiplied it. Elisha, the widow's oil. He took what she had. All she had was oil. All this widow had was flour and oil. And he took what they had to pay out their debts, to feed them, and to multiply it. I can go on and on with many more examples. But God is a God of abundance. God is a God of multiplication. That is our God. See, poverty is a curse. And prosperity is a blessing. We've read about it and we'll continue to refer to it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Prosperity comes from obedience. You can see that specifically in Deuteronomy 28 verse 2. And poverty comes from disobedience. You can see that specifically in Deuteronomy 28 verse 15. 
And Galatians says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law has become a curse for us. The way we keep the channel of supply open is to be in the will of God. And if you don't think prosperity is the will of God, you're not in the channel of God. You close the channel. Okay? And the way to keep the channel of supply open is to be in the will of God. That takes obedience. Okay? Chronic lack is not God's will. Chronic lack is a sign that someone is out of the will of God. I'm not saying this to offend you. I'm not saying this to get mad at you. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this to help you. Provision and obeying God go hand in hand. Throughout the Word of God, throughout the stories that we read from Genesis to Revelation, especially the Old Testament, when they obey God, there was provision and abundance. When they disobey God, there was lack and poverty. No amount of money can make up for disobedience. And some of you are like, well, Pastor Dale, I thought it's all about his obedience, not all my obedience. Hold on, we're going there. God's prosperity is not like winning the lottery. One day you're poor, the next day you're rich. Am I saying that can't happen? No. But I am saying that's not healthy. Even in Deuteronomy, he said, he, said, he wasn't going to give them the promised land all at once, but little by little, unless the beast of the field would overtake them. See, if you get rich overnight, that's not healthy. It can actually be devastating and have devastating effects. And we'll get into some of that later. But in Psalm 115, 14 says, May the Lord give you increase more and more you are his children. See, God's prosperity comes more and more rather than all at once. However, you can use the principle of sowing and reaping and accelerating increase in your life. This allows us, us all of us to start right where we are. And a farmer does not receive his entire lifetime harvest in one year. The harvest it increases as he is able, and as as will godly prosperity. In other words, God is the one who gives us the ability to get well, so that we can He can establish His covenant. There was a, there was a statement I just made a minute ago about obedience, and I made a comment too with that that well, I thought I thought you teach about grace. It's about his grace, unearned, unmerited favor. Yes. It is. It's faith in his grace. Salvation, prosperity, is faith in his grace. But faith takes obedience. Faith takes trust in God. And if you don't believe in prosperity, you're not believing his grace for it. And not but anything that's not of faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. If you don't have faith in God for your provision, 
anything that's faith, not a faith to sin. And anything that's not a faith is disobedient. If God, if it's God's will for you to be prosperous and you don't believe God's word, that, then you're out of the will of God and that's disobedience. Am I making sense? The first place to be in obedience to God is first of all, agree with God. If you're in disagreement with God, even though it's all about God, it's not about you, that's disobedience. That's a lack of faith. Anything that's not a faith is disobedience. Because if you're, if you're not believing God, and it's all about grace, and you're not believing in that grace, then that grace will not work for you. Am I making sense? Obey the Obeying God has everything to do with trusting Him, believing Him, relying on Him, not you. We're not talking about relying on us, we're talking about relying on Him. Now we'll get into this later when we talk about stewardship. Am I saying we don't have to work, we just sit and be passive? No, absolutely not. You'll hear me later. Many of us, we need to get off our, off our couch and we need to get to work. Some of you need to slow down. I'm one of those that needs to slow down. But we need to get to work. We'll talk about stewardship. We'll also talk about rest and trusting Him, the Sabbath rest. We'll talk about different things of that nature that all come into play in all that. That all have to do with obedience. That all have to do with trusting Him. He's the source, you're not. But if you don't even believe He's the source, if you don't even believe He wants you to be prosperous, if you don't even believe He wants you to have abundance, then how can you be in obedience? How can you be in faith? And how can you experience grace? Because you are going against everything God says. You don't even agree with the will of God. Okay? And if you don't agree with the will of God, you're not going to have faith in the will of God. You're not going to have faith in His grace in this area of your life. And it's not going to work. Okay? And just because you have faith in His grace doesn't mean He's not going to tell you to go do something. He says He will bless the work of your hands. But if your hands aren't doing anything, he has nothing to bless. Zero times anything is zero. We need to get the work, and he will bless the work of our hands. You know, we, we, look at, we, we talked briefly, but we talked about the loaves and the fish. Jesus didn't multiply, multiply nothing. He multiplied a boy's lunch twice. Elijah, he didn't multiply anything, nothing. He multiplied the flour and the oil. With the widow, <coughs> widow's oil, excuse me. He didn't multiply nothing. He multiplied what she asked, what do you have? All she had was oil. Well, she, what, did she, he, what did Elijah tell her to go do? Go get all the jars. What if she only had a few jars? Well, first of all, that would have been disobedience. Second of all, uh, there would have been... Uh, she would only have a little bit of oil, and it, it would only work as little as her faith was willing to work. Sometimes when God does it, he gets you a, an assignment, he gives you some homework, he tells you what to do. He told Peter, go launch out to the deep and launch out, launch out the nest for a catch. And another occasion, he said, cast your nest on the other side of the boat. What did Peter say? I'm not casting the nest on the other side of the boat. That's disobedience. It was about Jesus, the miracle. It wasn't about Peter, but it was about Peter obeying his master. And his faith in his grace. <coughs> faith without works is dead. But true faith is never alone. 
His faith and his faith and his grace alone, but faith is never alone. Because anything, all faith has works. It's not work, it's not doing good works to earn God's favor. It's doing good works because we trust in his favor. It's a big difference. Okay, and we'll get into a lot of that later. God wants to bless us. And he says in Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. We've spent some time on this already. God wants us to prosper so that we can accomplish his will for our lives. So that we can be a blessing to other people. So become a channel of blessing to others. Again, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have an all-sufficiency, and all things may have an abundance for every good work. So I have about 15 minutes left. I'm running out of time. And uh, I want to now go into, start going to my third point of sowing and reaping. I'm just going to very touch the surface on this this morning. Okay. Uh, but I needed some filler. Uh, we'll be coming back to the first two points interchangeably because I, feel, I don't feel like we're done with those two. Um, okay, but we're going to go into sowing and reaping now a little bit, and we're just going to give you a few nuggets with this. So with that, we're going to go to John chapter 12. In John 12, verse 24, Jesus said, Moses, surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. Excuse me for a second. So I want to read that again. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. Let's talk about seeds. Okay? So we find seeds all the way back to uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Okay? But, so we're. Well, in many ways, when we're talking about seeds, <coughs> we're talking about a natural truth that unveils a spiritual truth, our spiritual lesson. Does that make sense? Did Jesus not talk about parables a lot? He took a natural truth to make a spiritual point. Okay? All creation speaks of this handiwork. All creation, including seeds, talk about the goodness and the provision of God. It talks about, seeds talk a lot about how God's economy works, how the kingdom economy works. Okay? Because the kingdom of God is like a seed. The parable of the sower, it's a parable of all sowers. If you don't understand that parable, Jesus said you don't understand any of the parables. And the parable of the sower is all, talking a lot about seeds. Okay? And in the parable of the sower, we have the good soil... Where it produces 30, 60, 100 fold. That's provision. That's abundance. That's prosperity. Okay? And so, naturally, a seed has to die. Okay? Financially, how does that seed die? If we take this natural truth into a spiritual lesson, and that spiritual lesson being a financial lesson, how does that seed die? We understand how seed seed, mustard seed, wheat seed, flower seed, sunflower seed, you know, porcupine seed, whatever you want to call it. And we know how it dies. You plant it in the ground, you water it, 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 
it, it, it gestates and germinates and it finally begins to blossom and whatnot. But how does that see, how does this natural truth become a spiritual truth? How does that become a financial <coughs> um, lesson for us? When we mix it with faith, how does that see that? How do you know that we can take any natural truth, any spiritual truth, and we can mix it with faith? And it will work. But how does that see? How what does that look like? Am I making sense? In my question. Okay? See, when we mix faith with our things, whether that be a fish, whether that be a seed, whether it be a cow, a donkey, oil, the widow's oil, flour, things that we have, our jobs. A lot of our jobs, we're selling things, we're selling services, we're selling, whether that be groceries, like vegetation, or whether we're selling products, we're selling things. And when we mix faith with our things, Elisha says to the widow, what do you have? Okay? We can sell them in love, our things, the things that, the resources, the things God blesses, we can sell them in love and believe God for a harvest. Not for selfish gain, but to be a blessed, but to be blessed to be a blessing. We can use our house, our home, our car, our vehicles, everything God has blessed us with. We can use our things as a blessing. We can use our things as a seed. We can sell them in love and expect God to bring a harvest. Let me just say this. We keep saying we're blessed to be a blessing. But you can't be a blessing if you're not blessed. You can't be, you can't be, you can't give what you don't have. You have to get it first. You have to have it first. The widow could not sell oil if she had oil. She, she didn't go and get um, corn flour. Or cornstarch. She didn't go out and get um, sugar. She didn't go out and get milk. She went out to go get oil. Because why? That's what she had. She couldn't get something she didn't have. Peter, we hear a lot of fish stories. Why do we hear a lot of fish stories from Peter? He was a fisherman. <laughs> okay? You hope the fisherman has some fish. God wants us to have things. He just doesn't want to have things to have us. But when we talk about seed and when we're talking about harvesting, we need to also talk about the ground. I mean, you know, if you don't plant seed in good soil, it's not going to go very far. Okay? Where you sow your seed is also important. Example, concrete. Try putting your seed in concrete. <coughs> we can't sow our finances into dead things. We can't even sell so things in love and do something that's dead. Okay? There's, th there's things out there that are demonic. They're evil things. There's people who, who have things that are anti-God, anti-Bible, or they're just bad teaching. Okay? We want to sow our seed, our finances, our things into good soil. And we too need to be good soil. For God's seed and God's provision to produce a harvest. This all goes back to 
the parable of the sower, which I probably should spend more time on. So I want to get back to the seed. The seed dies by releasing it to the Lord of the harvest. Can I ask a question a minute ago? How does the seed die? The seed died because we release it to the Lord of the harvest. I hope I'm making sense with this. I feel like I'm being a little choppy. Again, the question was, how does the seed die? Jesus said, <coughs> in Matthew 9, 38, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I understand this was a different context, but I believe there's still a principle we can gain here. How many of you know Jesus is the Lord of the harvest? Okay? Some people have never reaped the harvest on their seeds because they have never died. Their seeds have never died. And what does that mean? What does it mean the seed hasn't died? It means that they don't let it go of it. It doesn't fall into the ground and die. How I many of you know if you have seeds in the jar, you have seeds in the bag, your seeds in a little envelope. And it just stays there. And a seed by itself, a seed alone, is not going to produce anything. It has to be planted into the soil. And it has to die. If it doesn't fall into the ground it, and die, it, it's not going to go. We sow it. And when we sow it, yes, we're going to water it and we're going to you know, believe for sunshine. But basically we trust God for the harvest. We can nurture the soil. We can cultivate the soil. But it's seed, time, and harvest. We sow it. And then we trust God for the harvest. We can't manipulate the seed. In any way, shape, or form. See, you can't cheat on seed time and harvest. You might find ways to make the seed, planting the seed more efficient. You might find ways to make the harvesting more efficient. But you can't cheat on this thing called time. Jesus said, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. Jesus said, if you lose it, you'll find it. This is a kingdom principle. Some people's seeds never die because they give them with alternative motives. And, and we'll spend more time with this later, but let me deal with it now. If you're giving just to get, it doesn't work. But if you're giving to get to give, it's supernatural. If you're giving because you love God, because you love people, because you love the gospel, because you love the next generation, then that giving is supernatural. Many people give and hold on to the harvest. They give and mandate the harvest. They give and they manipulate. They give and they try to control the harvest and how it comes back. 
That seed never dies. They're still holding on to it in their jar, in their envelope, in their bag of seeds. So that seed never produces a harvest. If you're giving because you love God, you love people, you love the gospel, you love the younger generation, then that giving is supernatural. That seed dies by saying, the Lord, I trust you. Lord, I sow this. I let it go. It then falls into the ground and it dies. I know God is going to bless me. I know Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. And I know that how that seed, I know how that seed comes back is on God's end. It may not come through the same person. It, <coughs> if you give to Sally, it might not come through Sally. It might come through George. It might come through a different means. In 1 Corinthians 3.6 it says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Why? And I know he's talking about a spiritual lesson here, but I want to bring it into the principle of the kingdom of God. We sow another my water, but God brings the increase. He's the Lord of the harvest. And when we plant a seed and we give to a ministry, we give to so-and-so. We'll talk more about this more deeply later. There's three different levels of giving. There's tithes and offerings. There's gifts. And there's also almsgiving. And however you give, and I believe in all three principles in the New Testament, we'll get into all that later. But the increase of your life is in the hands of Jesus. You have to trust Jesus. God, you have to trust Jesus and how it comes back to you. We've been talking a lot about finances and even just natural farming, but let me just spice up a little bit. Example, kindness. Kindness can be a seed. I know it's the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not taking away from that. But how you know inside every fruit there's a seed? Okay? If you sow, if you sow kindness, that kindness has to die. Okay? How? I don't manipulate people with my kindness. I don't, I'm not kind to someone just so they're kind to me back. Would it be noble for them to be kind to me back? Yes. Okay? Don't bite their head out, that beats you. But I don't manipulate with, with my kindness. I don't expect or demand my kindness to come back to me. Okay? I don't get offended when others don't re, re, reciprocate, reciprocate that kindness back to me. Okay? Yes! When we give, we will receive because that is an immutable law. You reap what you sow. Okay? But we know you don't always you don't reap in the same season that you sow. Okay? But how we get it, and this is a kingdom principle, is it's in the hands of God of how we get it back. Isn't and when and even when we get it back. We give it back to give it again. We don't live just to give. We live to get to give. We never live to give. We never, we're never going to get. Even if we did get it, it would destroy us. If we, if this is our mentality, if this is our mandate, our manipulation. Okay? And then what I'm trying to teach again is we're trusting God. This whole concept of prosperity, this whole concept of sowing and reaping, which is the law on the earth, just like gravity. We have to trust God. We may 
show kindness to someone and never receive it back from the same person. Because that person is not our source. God is our source. Okay? But the Lord of the harvest brings kindness back into my life to places I never dreamed of. We need to sow our seeds and let them die. Trusting the Lord of the harvest. See, the seeds dies by, and I'm running out of time here. First of all, release it to the Lord of the harvest, but also second, our love for other people, God and other people. And we'll get into this a lot more deeply next week. I don't know if I'm making sense here this morning. We'll spend more time on this concept of sowing and reaping later. And there's a lot more about sowing and reaping I'm going to get into that I'm not even touching on yet in regards to prosperity. I'm really just uh, hitting the barely, uh, barely plowing the ground here with uh, sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping, well, I'm also trying to paint a picture of sowing and reaping is that it's not just about prosperity. We're not giving just to get. We got to get that mentality out of our mind. We're, we got to keep everything in this kingdom principle of the covenant of God that we are blessed to be a blessing. But people are not our source. We're blessed to be a blessing. And when we give that blessing, we're blessing people with expecting nothing to return from that person. We give it to God. We let it die. And this whole message is about trusting God. I want to come back to you in closing. My principle I made about creation. God is a God of abundance. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have seed to sow. And God wants you to have bread to eat. But God is a God of abundance. I mean, Adam had to name all the animals. Seven million species. I mean, talk about work. I mean, how would you even keep up with all the names? But, you know, and the, the plants and everything else that was named. I mean, it just, uh, but the point I'm trying to make here, I don't want to get sidetracked with that in closing, is that God is a God of abundance. And those who don't believe in prosperity, I, how do you believe in God? Okay? Do I understand that many people have taken this the wrong way? Yes. And that have they done it for selfish reasons? Yes. But I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. God is a God of abundance. Not for selfish reasons. Does that mean I can't be blessed in the process? No. Okay? And we'll get into this later. Don't judge someone's harvest until you know what they're seeing. Some people have judged ministers and different people because they have millions, and yet they don't even know all the millions of dollars they give away. Don't judge someone's harvest until you know their seed. Don't judge someone because they're bringing a million dollar harvest when, you're, when you haven't sown a million dollar seed. And we'll get into that later. You know, We're not here to compare ourselves among ourselves. That's not lies. Don't judge someone else's harvest. Okay? You are responsible for what God has called you to do. And don't mock other people because they're getting a good harvest when you are not sowing your own seed. 
and I know that that applies to everybody, but we'll get into that more deeply later. But we need to trust God, and we need to do what God's going. We need to believe that God wants us to prosper. We need to believe that God wants us to be a blessing. We need to know what God's called us to sow our seed, and we need to reap the benefits of that seeds and use it with good stewardship. And we'll get into stewardship next after we talk about sowing and reaping. Because that, go, that goes hand in hand with sowing and reaping. We need to be good stewards of what God's given us. And some people are just reaping a good harvest because they've been, they've been sowing and they're reaping and they've been good stewards. They're trusting God. God is their source. They, there's some people out there, they are addicted to giving and God is supporting their habit. Okay? Some people are just addicted to giving. And God is supporting that habit. And yet some people come around, some religious people come around and judge them. You know, and so th that doesn't make sense. That just tells me they don't understand the kingdom principle. Are there some groups out there? Are some people doing it wrong? Some people doing it with selfish gain? Some people, their priorities are out of order? Yes. But don't let them be the standard for the word of God. Let the word of God be the standard. Don't let their example be your standard. Let God's word be the standard. Stop, stop letting someone else's story be your gospel. Let this be the gospel. Okay? We need to know what the word of God says. I mean, uh, I forget who, um, the Philistines, they were envious of Abraham and Isaac because they were blessed. Don't be envious of the people of God, because they are being blessed and doing what God called them to do. Okay, that's that's covetousness on your part. Because remember, covetousness and envy go hand in hand. They're, they're twin sisters. And so, don't be you know, like I said, the love of money can be is a root of all evil. But you can love money whether you you have it or not. You can be covetous for money whether you have it or not. You can be covetous for money if you have it, and you can be covetous of money because you see other people have it and you don't. And you can fall into the same trap whether you have money or don't have money. And then you're wondering why you don't have money. Well, you, first, you need, first thing you need to do is you, you, need, to, you, need, to, you need to let those seeds and those, the, that bitterness and that envy die. And you need, to, you need to take your thumb out of your mouth, pull up your big boy pants and girl pants up, and grow up and mature. So, how do we know something that's not mature can't multiply? Can't ha can't a, a child, a plant, an animal that's not mature cannot have offspring. Okay, you need to grow up. And, and I'm not saying that to hurt you. I'm not saying that to offend you. I'm saying that to help you. And I'm, if you're blessed, I'm happy. If you're more blessed than I am, I'm happy. As long as you're doing what God's called you to do and you're, doing, and you're using that uh, the way God's called you to do it. I am not your Lord. I'm not your, the Lord of the harvest. I'm not the Lord of how to tell you how to use it. You answer to God. You don't answer to me. And I don't answer to you. We answer to God. What God's called us to do. And do what God told us how to use it. Okay. We'll get into a lot of that more deeply later. Um, but anyway, because we have to talk about that as we're talking about prosperity. Because when it starts working for some people, then come the religious people and start judging those who are being prosperous. And that is, you're just as bad as the one, you're just as bad as the one that you're mocking for using it the wrong reasons because your heart is in the same place, it's just on the, different, on the other end of the stick. And um, so it's, it's hypocritical. And so anyway, anyway, 
God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.